Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's go back to 2011. Look at the World Cup with Squish. Let's go back. Oh, baby, let's go back with Squish. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby Rugby World Cup retrospective, which I went and checked is the only podcast in the kind of top 20 or so I went through on the Apple Rugby podcast charts that includes the letters US and A in order. Oh, that's good. There's a, there's a couple that come close, but we've got, you know, we've got an extra U and an extra S, but but we're the only one that manages it. US, USA. And so as ever, I'm Robbie or Squidge or whatever you want to call me. I'm joined by Will. That's me. I'm Will Owen. And joining us today, a very exciting, very special guest, the one and only captain of the USA last year, a genuine hero of the game, and someone that played in this very game, Mr. Blaine Scully. Thanks for having me. Pumped to be here. No, no, thank you for thank you for coming on. It's genuinely very exciting to have to have you on. So you've obviously you you retired just oh, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, but got no idea with lockdown. You retired somewhere between three days and six months ago. How are things going? <laughs> I don't even know who I am anymore. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I, I mean, it seems like, you know, so I retired, I think it was on March 9th or 10th. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at the time I had like a, I think she was maybe, Fifteen days old, newborn baby, right. and now and, she's starting uh, school. Now, now she's graduated from high school, and she's <laughs> yeah. going to she's got the first cap for the USA rugby team. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. No, she's not going to make tackles for a living. She's going to be a golfer, or a tennis player. Uh, <laughs> and uh, well, it's more 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 social distancing that way. But um, <laughs> yeah, no. So I mean, it, it seems to. Um, I mean, retirement was like kind of a slow process. Like I was always going to have a shutdown period after the World Cup, just kind of take a breath, took a lot out of me and um, kind of reassess what I wanted to do, where we wanted to go as a family, um, because my wife was very pregnant at that time and potentially looked at going overseas, um, you know, talked with a few MLR clubs and then kind of just came to a realization. I was like, you know what? I've done just about as everything I could have wanted to do in the game. And, yeah. and now it's, yeah. it's um, kind of time to look forward to what's next. I was, you know, pretty close to 32 and I'm 32 now. And, and I was like, well, why don't I look to whatever's next? And then, you know, obviously I, I'd done a bit of the broadcasting stuff with, mm. with NBC and then boom, lockdown, obviously sports gets shut off. Um, I, and I think you kind of have some sort of self quarantining, uh, tendencies if you're a newborn parent anyways. And, yeah. um, so in, in some ways, like, I think we got lucky by and large compared to, you know, what was, and it still is a really challenging time for a lot of folks where we just, we got to yeah. be with our newborn baby every day and yeah. it yeah. was hard for grandparents and stuff, but 
you know, for us, it was, it was, um, um, in this kind of recalibration, re everyone just figuring all this stuff out. It was, it was actually kind of a, a little bit of a, a blessing for us. So, yeah. um, and that's kind of what I've been doing since. Fantastic. Yeah. Was it a consideration that like you still retired at the top of your game as across the USA captain in the last world cup? Was that sort of a consideration of you, you don't want to retire because you know, you you're too old or too slow at some point. Not that you would have been, I'm sure, but yeah, is that sort of taken into account? Well, everyone, everyone is at some point. Everyone is at some point. Like <laughs> at some point, you get too old. Your daughter's slow. a week what? off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she 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 gets in my grill about it all the time. But no, I mean, I think uh, leaving on your own terms, there is something to that. Um, yeah. and, and I never wanted to be in a position where you know, like if someone was making a decision for me for sure. Yeah, um, but. But I mean, I think it's like one of those things too, where you realize your priorities are slightly different, right? So everything for me, the last 10, 12 years have been about being the best professional rugby player and best rugby player that I possibly could be, yeah. which was about me, right? Like that was about me. And yeah, definitely. I had a wife and, and all the decisions that I made, you know, for the most part. And then she was, had to made by extension was to support me in my rugby career. Mm. And, um, and, and make adjustments to her own professional ambitions and, you know, leave her family and friends to come live with me overseas because, you know, I'm chasing this, this weirdly shaped ball. Um, but, um, you know, like we, like I said, we, we became pregnant during the world cup and then all of a sudden there's some, you know, different perspectives that, that come into play once something like that happens. And, and, um, you know, maybe like, being a rugby player isn't the most important thing for me um, yeah. to do now as it relates to where our family and the direction we want to head in uh, yeah. needs to go. So, um, you know, like living overseas, because what I would want to do is I'd want to chase rugby and continue to chase rugby at the highest level that I possibly could mm. um, because I'm not a personality that's just going to play for the crack of it. Like that's just not me. I, I don't want to yeah. just go out and have a good time. I want to be, a part of something bigger myself. I want to be on a teams that are achieving. And then personally, I want to be growing and developing. So unless mm. I can meet those basic requirements for myself individually as a competitor, you know, I think, and, and also knowing that sports temporary, right? Like, like you said, yeah. at some point you get too old and you get too slow. So I just kind of felt like the right time and the conditions were there for me to make that decision where, okay, well, like, thank you so much for what the game gave me, but I can kind of, you know, turn the page and it's not like easy all the time. I'm not going to lie. It's, mm. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's so much, it would be so much easier in so many ways to keep playing rugby for as long as yeah, I yeah. could. And, um, but yeah, that, that's kind of how that process happened for me, I guess. So was that in the back of your head at the world cup? Were you thinking this might be the case or was it very much, it came on slowly? Yeah, uh, it was, it was a little bit. I mean, it, it was always a, going to be part of the decision um like you know there was probably a moment with my wife where it was like after the Tonga game where like, I ripped my hamstring and my calf and and like yeah. I'm walking around the field after the game I'm like man I don't know if I'll ever be able to do this again and uh yeah. and um it was it was you know, I'm uh, like it was a pretty kind of emotional moment because I was like man maybe yeah. that, like this will be the last time I'm on a rugby field in a USA uniform, which is, um, which is in some ways like 
you know, like emotional in other ways. It was like, oh, this is kind of, you know, beautiful. And of course, like it's fit, fitting that I got injured in the game. So leave before 20 minutes. It was like, and, and that's sport, right? Sport, sport actually doesn't yeah. care. It doesn't give a toss about you. Um, yeah. And you'd scored two tries the previous game. You know, I think that kind of, that shows up. That, that, that sums up your career. There's a, a fair yeah, reflection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get boom, you go to the hot top and then straight back down and the game humbles you in the best ways possible and the harshest yeah. ways possible sometimes. And that's just what it is. And so since retiring as well, you've started this, and we mentioned a bit before we start recording, uh, Captain's Code podcast. How yep. have you found that? How have you found sliding over to the other side of the, the, the table you're at right now, the interviews? Yeah, no, it was it was a really fun process. Like I kind of mentioned before, where it was uh, an experience actually being tasked with asking questions as opposed to just answering all the time with, yeah. you know, kind of my pro forma answers that I was uh, usually throw <laughs> at the media, but, you know, doing, doing my homework on these incredible guests, you know, like interviewing the president of the San Francisco 49ers in the 49ers stadium, my coaches at Cal, and then a number of other executives and, and CEOs was like a really interesting experience. And I like kind of my thought process by now, I've been really interested my whole career on teams and leadership. And yeah. and then I became interested in like, okay, well, how does what I learned on the field translate to off the field when like, yeah. when it's as an athlete, like it's can be pretty straightforward to demonstrate leadership qualities where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, just follow me. Like I'm doing this. I'm making tackles. I'm running hard. Like, yeah, that's yeah. like, you do it in a workplace. That's assault. Like you can't tackle people. And <laughs> feel like, like that's, that's, that's you not okay. Um, yeah. But um I was like, how do the things that I learned on the field translate to off the field when mm. um, it's not so clearly defined as like you can physically demonstrate like leadership qualities and, and, and why and how people should follow you. And, um, you know, by and large, like kind of surprising, kind of not was that a lot of things just kind of translate. It's like yeah, you have to yeah. be demonstrating uh, what you talk about and, and connection matters and, and then having some sort of idea of like who you are, what your purpose is and why you do what you do. And then how you communicate that is uh, like kind of the fundamental basics of, of leadership yeah. in action and teams in yeah. action. So it was really cool to see that reinforced. And then obviously talk to these, these incredible people as well. Yeah. That's one thing that cause I'm also like quite fascinated by sort of the concept of leadership and team building and that sort of thing. And so listen to the captain. You're talking Code to the captain of the long eaten RFC food. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, this, maybe we can get you on the next captain's cuff. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's it. Sorted. Signed. signed. But yeah, so I've, I've been listening to that and, um, one thing that I was uh, quite fascinated about, sort of about you personally, I know you don't necessarily want to talk about yourself and stuff, but sort of transition between 2011, you were sort of a bit of a youngster in the USA squad, 2015, you're an established player, and then 2019, you're the captain. So how does that sort of transition sort of set in with you? How do you approach those three World Cups differently? Yeah, well, I, it's it's such a good question. I mean, I think when you're young, um, you can just worry about yourself. Yeah. You're just, you, you just, you're there all you do is prioritize your job, how you fit in the team. And that's really all you have to focus on. And, and um, which in some ways is, is like, great, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about, you know, the, the, uh, the press conferences, you don't have to worry about the, 
the meetings with the senior team leadership and the coaches and how you deal with the media and what and yeah. where you just like, you follow the program and you worry about what you're doing and, and, and that's it. But then, you know, as you grow and mature, um, specifically with programs that you stay in for a long time, like for me with the U S you know, the 2015 world cup, I was the vice captain under, yeah. under Chris Wiles. And then, you know, like you said, 2019, I was the captain, but you know, it's just the nature of teams where the longer you're on them, actually more is required of you. Um, mm. It's not enough to be worried about yourself. You have to think about yourself in the context of the team, which is a learning process. Um, and, and because you have experience, your experience should inform how to get the most out of yourself and the group, the collective that you're in. And, and so like, I, as, as you, as you grow up, you naturally assume more leadership and as you should, um, because yeah. well, all mm-hmm. the older players are always retiring, right? Like that's, that's part of it yeah. too. The teams are constantly yeah. changing and, and it was amazing. Like overnight, like 2011 world cup, boom, half the team is gone. Totally new team. And all of a sudden I'm one of the more experienced players, 2015 <laughs> world cup, everyone retires. And then I'm like the oldest guy. And, and then it's, and then everyone's looking for me to, how do we do things around here? Like, mm. Okay. Well, shoot, I guess it is my responsibility to, to demonstrate who we are, what we're about and what we're doing in the hopes of getting 30 other, you know, highly charged athletes in the same direction, which is, which yeah. is not always yeah. an easy thing to do. Um, sure. But that, that's just what, that's what it is. Like that's what teams are. And, and uh, of course you get a lot of help and, and um, you're, you're responsible for growing people. You have your staff and all these things. But, I mean, shoot, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the folks on the field, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and unless you have a pretty strong idea on how you communicate, how you think about the game and then the stuff you train, it, it can, be, uh, can be really challenging. But that being said, it's an, it's an, an incredibly rewarding experience uh, being a part mm-hmm. of the leadership group, although, I mean, it takes, it takes a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another thing, because uh, what I quite like about your style of leadership is I've seen a lot of stuff that you've done on Twitter about like the team, teammate Tuesdays and stuff like that, where you've had like Eric Fry, Zach Test, Chris Wiles, and a, a few others where yeah. so you've publicly gone ahead and said sort of, this is what's great about these teammates. And I love that. I think that's a great thing to do. And I think that's something that's lacking in team sports generally is people who are willing to just go out and publicly say that. Um, yeah. so do you have like a sort of philosophy in the way that you sort of rile up your teammates and the way you sort of get them going, make them confident, that sort of thing? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start with one with my s- sort of social media philosophy, which if I've always had a love-hate and relationship with uh, and a struggle in the sense that, like, at, at some points, social media and, and trying to find the balance between connecting with your community, like, what should be for, but then also, like, not having it feel self-promotion-y. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard, hard balance to get right. And so, like, one of my ways that I kind of, like, deal with it is, like, you know, highlighting the teams that I'm on, highlighting the teammates that I ha- I have mm. and have had, and and for me that like helps me um, continue to reinforce you know positive behavior on social media. But I guess my style uh, of of leadership, say from captain to the team, and I, I'd have like sort of a system that I worked on and developed over the course of my career, um, which was kind of like thinking about the team you know, at a high level and then working down. So like the different roles and responsibilities I'd need to fulfill. So like the technical and tactical part, what we're doing on the weekend, what we're doing in training. Um, you have the cultural part, like, so kind of like the, the behaviors that we, that we demonstrate around the, the environment. You hear the baby in the back. 
Uh, <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> Captain's code. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And then the social bit, um, which is like, you know, how we just talk to each other. Right. And then you also have the external bit as well. So you have like a lot of different um, elements to it. Um, and then figuring out where you plug in and then where your time is best spent, but then also how you're growing and developing mm. uh, the other leaders within your team. Cause I was equally as part of my, my philosophy is like, if I'm the only person who's a leader on the field, we're in trouble. If I'm not <laughs> yeah, actively yeah. growing everyone around us, um, if we don't have a strong leadership group, um, we can never be successful because it's too disproportionately relying on one person in order Definitely, to, yeah. to make decisions. And that's a problem on a rugby field. And you see the best teams in the world have number of leaders because you need, there's so many different micro units and, and position groups that operate on in the context of a rugby game. You need folks who are like putting their hands up in each one of those respective areas, whether it's scrum line out or like a forward pod or in the back line, like the, and defensively. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. you can see all these different elements, how they kind of come together. And um, so I was always built uh, like a strong believer in, in growing people around me, like massive on connection and communication, you know, like. Uh, I mean, the idea of not being able to like give handshakes and stuff right now is like a really hard thing or like yeah. uh, it, it's and from a team because there's actual studies and there was a study done in the 20, I forget what finals, NBA finals it was, but it was when mm-hmm. LeBron James went to the Miami Heat and they compared right. the Miami Heat versus the Dallas Mavericks and the Dallas Mavericks had about 10 to 15 times more physical interactions, which showed the basically as a marker of the connection of their team as opposed to like the Miami Heat were probably a better team on paper with like LeBron James, Mm. Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, but it just kind of was a physical demonstration of their connection as a group, which, you know, for me, I've always kind of bought into. So, um, yeah. So that was kind of, I guess my style where, and and again, like being really positive about my interactions with, with my teammates, but not dumbing down standards either. Right. Cause that's the balance. (laughs) Yeah. There was a thing of Eddie Jones when he was at Japan. He took a training session at a university team and he just felt they weren't communicating. They weren't talking to each other. And he then just started walking over to players that weren't, he called them in and kind of said, yeah, I want your chatting, I want your talking. And anyone who wasn't talking, he just go and hand them their phone and tell them to go to the sideline and play on that instead. And that became his kind of thing of like getting this team to talk. And by the end, they were all chatting and talking and they went on to be a far better and kind of tighter team as a result. And I think a lot of it is in that, is in that kind of just bringing people together. And you want you are a team rather than a group of 15, in the case of rugby or, you know, how many of the, the relevant sport individuals. Yeah. And, and I think it, it, and the cool part is, too, like which that kind of example demonstrates, you can train that stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like this. Yeah. You know, some, some people are probably more naturally inclined to be communicative, and which yeah, I probably would be. I'm pretty loud on the field. I'm almost like the raw sense of myself on the field. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I tend to be more reserved off the field, but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think you, you can be really intentional about how you train that behavior mm. like, Oh, go sit on the sideline with your phone or like everything you do, you celebrate everything you do is communicate. And, and, and uh, I mean, you can see those examples in sports all over the place. Mm. Do you ever feel yourself that kind of on off field personality? Do you ever kind of wrestle with that? And do you find yourself ever finding it slipping out now you've retired? Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't tackled anybody yet, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, um, 
I mean, I think once I start golfing, probably. Right. Uh, okay. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I think one of the things that I'll miss for sure is, is uh, the feedback, right? Because okay. you, you get feedback in so many different ways as an athlete and mm. it's this constant measurement of where you are. Who, like, you know, I, again, like you, you show up to a training facility and, and like Monday you, you can check on what your weights were versus last week at training. How did I did, how I did today. Um, and then the weekend, right. The feedback you get like, against the opponent. And then obviously the scoreboard is like the ultimate form of feedback and, <laughs> yes. and then the interaction with coaches and players. So you're just getting information all the time that like you just constantly get to know and understand where you are and, and relative to all that stuff. And, yeah. and now I'm like looking for points of feedback. My, well, my wife usually gives me pretty good feedback, but it's just a really interesting way. It's like, you know, how do you identify, you know, improvement right it's like it's yeah. just it's just a total shift and all that stuff when you can't clearly you know mark on like well i had 20 carries and 15 <laughs> tackles and like and i ran 8,000 meters like <laughs> I, I guess my fitbit says i did like 10,000 steps is that good i don't yeah. know <laughs> you haven't got no one in the shop telling you a really good job on bagging up those vegetables like, That's amazing. you nailed that yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Having, and you're not tempted to just you know, if you do take up golf, just try and yeah. catch the ball dramatically in the air. Yeah. I know. You've got to make sure you like, stay on side behind the yeah. um, putting it and you just chase after it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like a sad thing that like my, my best professional quality is not transferable to anything else. Possibly <laughs> do. What is there? What's the closest thing to taking a high ball in the rest of life? I, I don't There's, know. You could, okay. like, maybe like a water balloon contest where like you chuck it <laughs> like back and forth. I mean, not nothing like it's a really yeah, niche I, job. Yeah, yeah, it seriously is a it's a niche thing. I mean, you could like your baby's in safe hands. Yeah, I was gonna say a firefighter yeah, like specializes in catching babies falling out of burning buildings. Yeah, yeah and you yeah, just kind of yeah. run along like in one of those old video games where you're trying to catch the stuff falling from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> these are, yeah these are career suggestions i don't know if you want to take them but they're open for you yeah, no i appreciate <laughs> that yeah no, um, i appreciate that for sure i'm sure they're out there okay you uh, said we've got you on a rugby podcast but really you want a, a job opportunity yeah there? yeah i like it i like it so basically a job audition i like it <laughs> i i went for one of those they did like a computer test thing when i was in year eight and they told me that I should, it was just like a computer pro, you filled in all the stuff and it gave you what job you think you should do. And they told me I should be a model, which they didn't get a photo of me. And they clearly wouldn't have said that if they did. But I like the fact that the job they went for was a job that was not, involved no practical skills other than walking forwards. Um, <laughs> so they went, this guy, he can walk in a straight line. Can't take a high ball, otherwise we suggest winger. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious did you did you have any that's, that's that's a fair point actually did you have any sort of other job recommended to you pointed towards when you're you're first eyeing up professional rugby i say i've managed to find a way to make that relevant somehow no yeah no i i thought originally when i because i went to university and i studied history because mm. i i intended okay. to go to law school afterwards mm. um so because my my folks are lawyers and in the states you have to go through undergraduate before you go to law school. It's just yeah. the way it is. So um, I was like, oh, history, you learn how to read, write, and make an argument. So that's pretty much law. Mm. And um, mm. and um, so that's what I did. And and that's what I thought I was going to do. Um, and then this rugby thing kind of, you know, took off me in a way that I yeah. didn't 
I, I hoped it would, but I didn't necessarily expect it um, yeah. to, I guess, last as long as it did um, and, and put as many miles on my, on my <laughs> frequent flyer uh, card as it did. <laughs> But yeah, you know, like I'm not mad about that at all. Um, but now I'm just sort of going through the process now, like okay, identifying where exactly the right fit for me is based on you know being yeah. a 32 year old who loves coffee and can take a highball, but you know <laughs> not necessarily not necessarily uh, the type of flight qualifications that I might need for for other things. But <laughs> I, I have some other skills that I'm I'm reasonable at that hopefully will transfer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No um, so you mentioned, obviously, the rugby starts to take off, and I think it's a good place to to move on to the 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 point in this podcast, which is the yeah. 2011 World Cup. Uh, okay, so we're talking you, about that, yeah. That's, that's the right. idea. You know, I don't yeah. I don't mind, to be fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you you won your first cap a few months before that tournament in 2011. Yeah. Was it in the back of your head that I've timed this just right? I'm I'm in the best opportunity to to make that World Cup. Man, it was um, so. I I'd first played for the U.S. team from the se- on the seven side. Um, this was oh, course, like yeah. back in the day before full time. Uh, right. Uh, for the most part, in the st- in the states, there was no fully contracted sevens players, and it would have been um, probably just a time that everyone was going more centralized because of the Olympic announcement. So I yes. played on the circuit like in 2009. I actually went to the Churchill cup with the 15s team in 2010, played about four minutes against the Saxons. Right. And then, um, and then got my first cap against Russia. Like, as you said, you know, earlier that in 2011, um, I think it was June. I can't remember the date, maybe. 18th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then rolled right in um, like as a total bolter, I guess mm. you probably say. Um, and I remember like after I played pretty well against Russia, had a couple of good games against Canada, uh, like one of the blogs in the States was doing basically like a selection forecast mm. and uh, around all, and they did like the 50 some odd players that were in the pool. And then like I, after a couple of good games, my, my forecast was like, yeah, it was partly cloudy, but the sun's breaking through or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, that's um, lovely. But, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to make the World Cup team. Mm. And, you know, the, again, as some of this stuff goes in sports, you have to get kind of lucky. And, yeah. you know, the lucky part for me was, was that, that Chris Wiles, after the, the, the premiership seasons, had to get a, a little bit of an ankle clean out. And so he was rehabbing and, you know, we needed a fullback. Um, and I'd got my first cap in the Churchill cup and, and because Chris was still rehabbing, you know, I kind of assumed that spot for the rest of the, mm. the summer and then the world cup opener, as you said, and then, which, you know, like I, I all of a sudden got a lot of game time when, you know, I probably wouldn't have otherwise. Mm. Um, and that, you know, like it's, Again, sports one of those funny things where like sometimes a door doesn't open it, but when that door does open, you have to be ready to take your opportunity. Yeah. Uh, right. Because if you do, then like good stuff can happen. If you don't, well, in sport, you might not ever get another opportunity again. Yeah, definitely. And you took a lot of responsibility as well. Like uh, we were speaking in our previous episode about the USA Ireland game, that you've taken a lot of the kicking and stuff, which maybe yeah. isn't something you did as much in the late, like, later stage of your career, sort of the drop kicking, 20 dropouts, that sort of thing. Um, so how did you find that coming in from being, as you say, like maybe a bit of an outsider into the squad and then suddenly taking on one of sort of the key roles in the starting 15? Terrifying. Uh, with... <laughs> <laughs> 
totally terrifying. Yeah. Um, you know, cause it was training was, uh, kicking was a game, part of my game that I had to work really hard at, um, mm. because it's just not something I did not, right. you know, growing up yeah. for the most part. I did a little bit of it, but you know, so I, during this whole summer, I was kicking probably three hours a day, mm. like nonstop, wow. um, which is why I got, you know, at, athlete groin, I had to get a groin surgery afterwards, but, um, <laughs> Uh, but, but that's what I had to do. And, and again, like it was a skill that I could bring that mm. got me on the plane. Right. And you have yeah. to think about things yeah. that get you on the plane. If you Definitely. want to make a world cup team and, and it's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I can play fullback. I can catch high balls and now I can kick. And I had the biggest leg on the team at that point. Mm. Um, and now that I could clear for touch all of a sudden, like that makes me selectable. And uh, if you're selectable and you're available, and you can get on the field and if you can get on the field, you can get on the plane. And so that's, that's part of how that worked. And, and I worked really hard at that kicking game with, with a kicking coach, Chris O'Brien, who was a longtime Eagle as well. Um, and uh, he was also a, a, a kicker in college football and, and mm-hmm. he had a couple NFL trials. And so we just worked on my punt nonstop and um, really tried to add that to my game because, you know, like you said, I, on, on a lot of these guys taking 22 dropouts, which is like <laughs> something I wouldn't think about ever doing again. But, yeah. you know, I, I worked at it really hard and, and put myself in a position where I could do that capably. And, and therefore, like, again, like it was a skill that I could bring to the team. Hmm. Absolutely. And we saw a chunk of that when you then come on in this, this game against Russia. So you, the game kicks off and you've got James Patterson uh, and Gwenya and Chris Wiles as the back three. And then at 37 minutes, Patterson goes down injured and on you come. You then play two minutes and then for the second half, they apparently at halftime they discover Atlantis and you then end up playing there instead because you're suddenly playing the wettest conditions imaginable. You're suddenly playing basically underwater. What are your memories of that That kind of coming on just before halftime and yep. then that coming out for that second half and seeing, oh, it's one of those games? You know, and having played yeah. fullback in those games, it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I remember before the game because I, you know, I was, uh, I wasn't that happy that I wasn't starting mm. um, because I, I thought I'd, you know, I'd done enough. Um, and, yeah. and 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 you know, I, I even if it wasn't at fullback, I knew Chris was Chris is probably our best player on the team, mm. and um, and but I, I still felt like I did, I, I was in with a shout and and. And again, that's a really challenging part about teams too, right? And and um, it was a really close call, and they decided to go with a more experienced lineup because again, like I was still a kid at that point, and and um, and you know, I, I was I accepted all that, and I, I was competitive, and and so you know, for me, um, being in the twenty-two then because it wasn't twenty-three on the field, uh, <laughs> yeah. I forget you forget you could kick directly into touch, right? Like after like, <laughs> yeah. After that, yeah whenever i play rugby 08 i'm like oh you can do that in this (laughs) (laughs) and um and so yeah so fast forward to that moment where you're kind of sitting on the sideline you're doing your warm-up stuff and 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 i think james james hurt his shoulder and Mm. he was going to try to carry on and uh and then it's just scully get ready and then you know, literally like you take your track track bottoms off and your track top off and then i'm saying scully you're on (laughs) okay let's go um and um and then yeah so like it's it's just so rugby isn't it like you're like (laughs) waiting for it to go and 
waiting for it to happen and then boom, you're on. And then come back out after halftime and it is absolute disaster of a weather. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, that was New Zealand. So yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. Another thing is that you, you came on when uh, the USA were probably, about, I think it was 10-3 up as well, which obviously is pretty daunting coming on in the first half of the game, I think, because like, you can usually sort of get ready for yourself guess, coming on the last sort of 20 minutes of the game, making an impact, that kind of way. But three minutes before half-time is quite a difficult thing because you've got to ready yourself, play three minutes, then go back in to half-time, then get ready again and go straight back out. So how did you find that as a prospect when you had that cushion of a try being a try up? But how did you like mentally prepare that if you can remember of course honestly no no i can remember and honestly (laughs) what i can tell you is like that is one of the beauty about being a kid and not knowing anything right Mm. you just you know like i didn't need to warm up the same way i needed to warm up you know last year i could literally just go on the field and i was ready to go i wanted to be in there (laughs) there was nothing i i want i wanted to be in the game and and none of that was a thought for me it was like if, if as as long as i get on this field and have a chance to to play for my country. That's that's all I care about. So, hmm. I mean, we could be down by twenty. It could be thunderstorms. It doesn't matter. Like I'll, I'll be I'll be ready to go. And and that was so. That was probably more my attitude than than yeah. part of that's just probably being a twenty two, twenty three year old kid at the at the time. Whereas maybe if I was twenty eight or twenty nine, I'd probably more like maybe I'd understand the context more or whatever. But yeah. you know, generally it is difficult to to come into the game because it just you the first thing you want to do is like well i just came in the game i need to involve myself how do i get involved yeah. right away whereas if you're in from the start you're involved you're you're in it and and typically getting into the game from the bench especially as a as a back three player where you don't necessarily have those you know consistent close quarter contact moments where you're you're fully involved all the time yeah it can kind of happen where you're like, man, I've come to this game and I still haven't been involved for like five, 10 minutes just because that's <laughs> yeah. how it goes. Right. You, you both know that. So, um, but yeah, the uh, long story short is I wasn't thinking about that. I was just, I was, I was good to go mm. and I was ready to go. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to go. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And as you remember, cause it took you about probably 15 minutes to actually get a bit of involvement in the game obviously made a couple of tackles but to actually carry the ball I remember the first thing you did was you took the ball off I think it was Rollins and you were playing 10 and yeah. just like barreled into the defence yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and then a minute or so later uh, Russia cleared down your way and you had a bit of a counter attack and did a nice little offload out in the back yeah. of the hand mm. to Anderson almost, yeah. 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 yeah almost makes a try yeah, I know. I had like these weird tendencies when I was like young too, because again, I probably didn't care as much. Where I, I threw like a couple out the back, and um, mm. and I, I I remember that carry off off uh, Roland, um, who was probably more of a twelve than a ten, but right. we 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 adapted to him, and that's probably one of the other reasons why I had to play. Um, I had to I had to take on so many kicking resp- mm. responsibilities, which again freed him, freed him up to move the ten where. You know, I could mm. take most of the punts and, and, um, and, but yeah, I, I mean, there was, there was a couple, I mean, a couple really random moments where I just, you know, man, I, you know, like the weather being what I was, should I really have thrown out the back there? Was, <laughs> yeah. I remember, right. I remember we, we should have, we, I thought we were going to score it. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it. It's very almost against the base of the post. Like it's so close. having watched it back. And it was one of those, like, I remember watching back Sam Warburton's first touch of international rugby about a year ago, and he frozen out the back pass. And you don't think of that him of that player ever again. Yeah. And it's strange that you say that, the way players mature into that. 
Uh, do you are you the kind of player who ever has, or the kind of guy who will ever have moments from games just just haunt you overnight? It'll just go to me. Why did That's I? A good question. Why did I? Why did I give that pass in two thousand and twelve? You know, why, yeah. why did I do this in... Yeah, every you know, once in a while I wake up with a night terror about an intercept that I threw against yeah. Canada. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there, was, there was one of those games, yeah. Like 2000 and it, might, it was like probably that first sevens tournament where I remember I... Because uh, it was, you know, back in sevens, you'd like sometimes run a switch on the end, pull it back out and like you like avoid contact at all costs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember I threw like this long, terrible looping pass and, and this Canadian player read it and he ran to the house. And I, I still makes my skin crawl thinking about that. But uh, we did beat them in the following week in the last minute of play. So that kind of helps that. But I mean, by and large, you know, I tended to be a pretty, and again, it depends on who you are. I, I definitely wanted to be a conscious player always. Um, yeah. and, and, and frankly, like my position I wasn't necessarily as disproportionately responsible for the game as say like a fly half would be where mm. they have a higher percentage of those moments where yeah. for me it was like, Hey, like just kick the ball up and I'll go get it. And like, <laughs> like what do dog. I have to lose? Yeah. What do yeah. I have to lose? Um, you know, I, I do have a few moments as captain, I guess, where, you know, I think about what I would have called if, if I had it back and what I call something different. And I mean, I have, I have those moments on occasion, but you know, I, I think also what you learn is is um, as long as you and it, maybe you you self justify it, right? You find your own sort of rationale. But yeah, I mean, in principle, if if you apply yourself to your maximum, you you compare it to the maximum, and then you compete to the maximum. Like, and you have an outcome that doesn't go your way, which you have to take into context. There's somebody on the other side who's doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. Like if, if you can kind of get your head around the idea of like, you're like, when you step in the arena, stuff's not going to go your way. Like full stop. Yeah. You'll have some amazing moments, but you have some terrible moments as well. Like terrible in the sense of like, you know, relative, it's still just a game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but but you'll have some, some crummy moments like, and then like you work back from that. You're like, okay, well, you know, it's like, that's just what it is. Like that's how the game, game goes sometimes. And that's how you just have to kind of get on with it at that point. And, and at least that's always trying to bend my mindset. And, you know, I, I, it takes a long time to get there. <laughs> because, yeah. and, and again, I, I have, I have had the fortune of have, having a long career. So like, I don't have, like, I can put those moments in context with, the rest of my moments whereas for some people it might be like the only moment for them right and then that sort of skews their whole sort of frame of reference for the rest of their their lives as a sports person right so absolutely yeah ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, and I think just to, I suppose, pick on a few points from this game, obviously you you were on the sideline, I suppose, for the, the Mike Petri try. And I think, actually, I just want to mention again how, having watched the first two USA games back, how impressed I was with my Petri. Yeah, great player. And I kind of always, at the time, thought, oh, he's just the USA scrum half. You know, he's just, he's just always in the team. He's always been there. You know, they're USA's on the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. good player. Uh, yeah. And I don't think I ever quite appreciate, and obviously, has he just retired or he's still playing? Because he was playing MLR last Oh, he was still playing MLR, yeah. yeah. I think he, sh- he might be retiring soon, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, yeah. I, he's like as good of a rugby player he was. He's an ever even better per- person. Like he's oh, the yeah? nicest human being you would ever hope to meet. Like he's just he's just a beautiful person. But he, he was a really good rugby player, and he was he was kind of that you know challenging era for a lot of American rugby players where mm. you know he was he was training as a as a fully international athlete domestically, yeah. kind of balancing uh, a club scene, uh, right and and um, and he had a few opportunities overseas, but you know it's it's really hard, uh, especially as a scrum, American scrum half to, yeah. to to crack it, and and um, and it's just hard in general with being a being a foreign player, especially from a say a quote unquote tier two country trying to make mm. it these professional teams yeah. and earn contracts. Make sure you're still one of the five of you know foreign qualified players that these squads can carry. Yeah. But yeah, he was he was a really good player. It's the thing that struck me watching him was how good his, his vision was fantastic. And I just thought if he'd been playing in a top flight environment from an early age, how good he could have been. You know, he could have been good enough to have won, you know, those 20, yeah. 30, he won, what, 50 odd caps for the USA. He could have yeah. won a similar number for a tier, you know, as you say, quote unquote, yeah. tier one nation if yeah. he'd had the opportunities. And he could have been a properly really really top class first class nine yeah i think what you're saying earlier blaine as well mm. that because he'd had he briefly played with the sail sharks and the dragons i think it was yeah, um, yeah. so scrum off is a difficult position because there's such a big difference between being a starting scrum off and coming off the bench and i feel like when you're a yeah. quote-unquote tier two player who's just signed for one of these big teams it's it's often difficult to make an impression and get that straight off first starting jersey mm. and I feel like he really was a starting number nine in the way that he sort of controlled the tempo of the game and stuff and I think he the way he paced his forwards around was really impressive in these first two games of the World Cup mm. yeah yeah, yeah no, he, he was a, he was, a, he was a good player and like I said yeah it's 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 difficult being a a, a foreign player as well from the standpoint of you're not living in your country right so like unless you're unless you're playing week in and week out it can be kind of hard to sort of manage yeah right like life overseas or like well like i'm not playing like i'm just kind of here like does it yeah, make more sense yeah. for me to go back home with my family and i like, crack on with my professional life because you know i well i don't know how long this rugby thing is gonna last either so mm-hmm. and it can't be like you know like christian wade going to the nfl where even though he isn't playing he's on a far bigger contract than he was in rugby yeah i you know i don't know whether there's the again i don't want to kind of impose but yeah, 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 just speculate whether there's the money in rugby and rugby, mo- rugby money is not. You know, it's the, no, 
Yeah. And you only hear stories and you hear reports of, you know, like, unless you're Andre Pollard or whoever, like, the, the top paid players yeah. in the world are, yeah, yeah, who will be playing every week? You know, you're not signing Andre Pollard and then not playing him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, to just touch on the Mike Petri try, which is the what... So I really enjoyed watching the, the this game back. Yeah, me too. But yeah. it's a... It's one of those games where, when you're thinking about it... It's Absolute a... classic. <laughs> I didn't even tell you. We should have we should have talked about it. But before the game, like mm. in the in the town, it was amazing because there was yeah? like it was like a rocky rocky four themed like like all these shops <laughs> where you can go in was like the Cold War uh, and like shirts of like Ivan Drago and Rocky Balboa. Like I think my my buddy has about five or six shirts and he's got like a poster <laughs> from us as like USA versus Russia. 2011 World Cup is hilarious. <laughs> wow! So they're properly building this up as the the biggest game in town. As, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe. Oh, I mean, it's New nice. Zealand, right? So it's like yeah. <laughs> they love it. Yeah. Oh, I watched for was it Samoa Namibia? I watched a clip of, from the New Zealand news of them interviewing people, and they were just stopping like old women in the street who had a really detailed opinion on. Well, I don't think the Samoa teams as good as they were about a year ago. You know, I think they probably peaked again performance against Australia. Yeah, so that's yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, that's yeah, New Zealand. I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. like pumping your gas, and you're like, uh, what, mate? You're like, why'd you miss that tackle? Like, yeah, you watching? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that happening all the time in New Zealand? Uh, they're great. I, mean, I, I love. It. it was a. It was a pretty magical world cup so like, yeah. especially where we were our liaisons like our we were in wanganui which is a, a small town mm-hmm. where they we were adopted as our host village uh, and then you know obviously we we kind of headed up to for for the matches to um new plymouth but um right. but yeah like but, but that that sort of tetri try was yeah, it was like it was a, a really, it was a really good team try. I mean, it was yeah. everything about that was pretty. And even his dive in the end, he like slides in, and we were all fired up about it. And, and um, but yeah, it was, it was a good moment for us for sure. Yeah, especially like having that first half try in a World Cup to like give you a seven point cushion is is really important in the context yeah. of of, yeah. of 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 that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to touch. So, with that try, Chris Wilde pops up as first receiver, and then Vance yeah. I know criticizing pass, but in terms, of, like, it shows like the way he's his outfield knowledge of how to sort of run lines and stuff really shows because he sets his width really, really well, and then hits the line and links up with his brother really well, who then mm. is supported by Mike Petrie. And what was really impressive yeah. is the yeah. way you guys floated through USA team yeah. just generally. Yeah. Whenever there was yeah. a line break, there was always two or three men on yeah. their shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's. it's perfect scrum math line too right yeah. like that's, yeah, yeah. that's the line he should be running and he did yeah then to fend off Igor Klishnikov the fullback as well like he showed really good strength to get over he's, he's strong is... Petru is strong yeah. man yeah <laughs> so I'd kind of forgotten about Igor Klishnikov and he was a great player he was yeah. so much fun to watch because he was sort he was a I don't know if he did but he looked like someone that came to rugby from like boxing or street fighting yeah. and kind of took it up and he was a proper like old street school <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, he could have been a he could have been a character in street fighter yeah. Igor Klitschnikov sounds like a street fighter character yeah. um and he kind of looked like it as well and he kind of he looked properly gnarled and, and kind of in the best way you know in that like JPR Williams mold of really hard fullbacks that you used to get sort of in like the, the 70s and 80s 
And I I was a big fan of him. And yet he kind of had this like fleet footedness. And every now and again, he kind of switched to just suddenly yeah. being actually, I'm going to be really dynamic and exciting despite being just an outright bastard. Yeah. Again, I've never met him. You know, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. But <laughs> the impression he gave was I am a bastard who also loves loves dancing. And of course, they also had baby Vasily Artemiev on the wing. Yes. Yeah. No yeah, mustache. Ostrusko is on that in that lineup yeah. too. Yeah. I remember when I, I um, in that first cap against mm. Russia in the Churchill Cup, where like I was playing fullback, and you know when you're last man and you're on your goal and goal line, and I had yeah. to hit down, and I hit Ostrusko about as hard as I could, and I thought my shoulder was ex- exploding, but it was like my first stinger. Uh, I mean, but I mean that was the thing with playing the Russians. There's just massive physical specimens mm. are, like they, it's it's like they're almost all the same body type they're all, like all chiseled they're all like you know six percent body fat and they're all just really strong guys and yeah and um like we, we knew this match was going to be like physical and we were gonna have to have some physical moments that were confrontational especially when eventually the weather came to, and, and we needed to defend to protect the lead where um I mean, it's it's not always fun uh, tackling granite uh, <laughs> eighty minutes, but well, we we loved it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. might give that a go. I might just take a run up at my kitchen surfaces just to try and get the experience like of tackling, tackling some of the Russian forwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you've been go. doing since retirement, Blaine? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's helped my shoulders tons. Yeah. <laughs> but from what you're saying about the Russian sort of them being big strong men. Like, the scrum was the one place where they really managed to find a bit of a front forward. But I do think, though, that it kind of went back and forth. And I was really, yeah. really impressed with Mike McDonald in this game. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the way he oh, carried, he's, the oh, way he smashed yeah. everybody. Yeah. He's man of match. He, he pretty much eats Vasily Artemyev at one point. Yes, he does. Yeah. Like, he, he pretty much is, like, side order fries and a Vasily Artemyev, please. And you can see sort of Artemyev takes a moment to get up from it in a, oh, okay, okay, this, fine, you know. Um, and I like the way Artem Yev spent the whole game just trying to get involved and trying to, you know, as I said, like I think we've all had those games from the wing of just it's not coming your way. And especially for him being pretty much their star player, him being their yeah. best known player. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... Constantly... He'd, he'd come off... Uh, he was uh, Northampton the year or yeah. two before that. And, yeah. 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 Uh, so he'd come off that and yeah, having played, you know, Heineken Cup and stuff and been playing consistently with... It was that back three with him, Ashton and Foden who was starting for England. And he was coming off that and he was constantly getting himself involved and sliding in as like second receiver uh, and trying to get himself into the game as much as he possibly could. And I was a big fan of that. And sometimes that meant he got eaten by Mike McDonald. But, you know, that's that. That's, that's what Big Mac would do. Yeah, Big Mac was was uh, it was obviously one of the greatest American players. He was mm. he was the most capped eagle until Todd Clever passed him. But yeah. you can really see in a lot of these moments where just how well Mike moved for such yeah. a big prop. Right, like so yeah, defensively, yeah. like when he comes out of line, he smashes Vaz and he smashes a few others. Like you can see, like yeah, technically he's very proficient, but he's actually very athletic. He yeah, had like yeah. a strong wrestling and football background, um, mm-hmm. right. and um, and you can kind of see that just in the way he moves for a prop. He just, I mean, he he was he was outstanding this game for sure. Yeah. Like he was. Uh, he was the best player probably for us that game because mm. of how much he did in all like the little nasty areas. Yeah. Yeah. He was one of those props, a bit like Alan Jacobson for Scotland, who was this kind of transition between where props are now that they kind of 
look, yep. as I said, they're, they're low body fat, like you know, ten percent at most, and are really dynamic. And the old era of kind of you know like big fellows who bent over and pushed, and that was it. Um, and he was kind of this transition period of he looked like one, but actually he played like the other. That yeah. he was so much quicker than he looked like he could possibly be. Yeah, and he yeah. put himself about, and clearly he was so fit, you know, especially yeah. with his size and build. He was, you know, play. I think he played seventy or minute. He might have played the full eighty. He did, yeah. Um, yeah. And he was he was brilliant, and he'd done so. You know, what was it, four or five days earlier against Ireland? Yeah. He played yeah. most of the game as well. Yeah, he fantastic there as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. again, <laughs> really good player. Yeah, long, a long, long career overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nasty, nasty and dirty mustache, but <laughs> and a long career overseas, right? Yeah. And, and he was uh, he was actually the captain of of Leeds for one year, I mm. believe. So. You know, again, you talk about the, the leaders across your field, like having your front row leaders, having Todd in the back row, Chris in, yeah. the, in the back three. And then, you know, as a young player, like I said, like all I really had to think about was when I came on the game. It was like, yeah. okay, look for work where you can get it. So, like, take shoulder balls. You get the ball in the back if, and as from a counterattack perspective. Run. Just run. Um, <laughs> catch your high balls. And then, and then make your tackles. Like, what else do I need to worry about? I don't. Yeah. Like that, that, that was the beauty of, of yeah. being a kid at that point. Um, and, and, um, and that's all I had to do. Yeah. Do you think you would have played that game differently in 2019? You would have approached it completely differently. You'd come off the bench in that kind of situation. Uh, I probably would have thought about it a lot differently. Okay. I probably would have thought a lot about differently. I would have thought about what I had to do with the team, what the team was thinking, what the team was doing. And especially like, you know, if, you know, probably if, if it was 2019 world cup and I was coming off the bench, I, I didn't come off the bench for, I, I can't even remember the last time I, mm. I would have come off the bench for the U S. Um, yeah. But then if, if you're like a your team captain at that point, then like the way people interact with you, the way they talk with you and the way they, they, they look to you like that becomes different, which then obviously has to translate in your attitude around approach across the field. Cause like, I can't be the one who's distracted by getting into tussles with every, every other opposition player all the time, yeah. because I need to be able to communicate with the referee during this standpoint yeah. and then talk to my scrum, my scrum half and my fly half around what we're technically doing. And then, and is that, is that tactic working there? Like, I don't know. I think we might need to adjust that. Whereas like, you know, so your energy expenditure and where you like prioritize as far as your behaviors comes a little bit differently. So okay. yeah, I, definitely my brain would have been totally different because it would have been like, okay, I need to think about my job. Yes. But I've been doing this a long time. So I, I know what I need to do, yeah. but I need to focus on like what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you just to answer your previous query. The last time you came off the bench for the U S was on the wing against Japan in 2013 in Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was six straight years mm-hmm. of starting. I yeah. I take that, so, you know. Yeah. There's yeah. Only yeah, I remember twice. that game, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 To okay, to to kind of pick up on more on the game itself. I mean, yeah. I have been keeping a regular count of Martin Gilliam, Nottingham born commentator, who he, over the first two games he commentated on, mentioned yep. the town Nottingham nine times. In this game, <laughs> this game between the USA and Russia, he mentioned it five times. Five? Yeah, five. Wow. So once at the start, he mentions Tim Usaz was the US, uh, Nottingham at the time. Yeah, uh, he was at Nottingham. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And then when he comes on, he mentions it twice in one sentence. And then his first pass, he says he passes to, and Chris Wells had been at Nottingham before. Uh, yeah, so he says, true, that, yeah. current Nottingham man passes to former Nottingham man and gets it up to five. 
So that's 14 <laughs> mentions from three games, none of which involve England. None of that's which impressive. involve... <laughs> yeah, he's racking them up. That's just to keep our regular feature going. No, that, that's that's uh, I, I'm really impressed. I'm not even mad about that. Yeah, <laughs> do you? Seems a good do, you have, do you have any plans uh, to just drop Sacramento into Captain's Code or commentary media appearances ever? Yeah, I I I, I think I will now. Like everything <laughs> I do, I'm going to talk about Sacramento. Yeah, <laughs> talk about um, my knowledge of Sacramento is pretty much limited to to a handful of Greta Gerwig movies, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that's actually really good Sacramento knowledge right there. That yeah. you know that she's from Sacramento. Oh, I I I kind of love the town because it produced you and Greta Gerwig as people I am fans of. <laughs> <laughs> Never been, but I'd love to. I'd love the to. Capital, go. All you need to know is the capital of California. Absolutely. Okay. There's not going to be a statue erected with Blaine Scully and Greta no, Gerwig, is there? Together, yeah. maybe Greta. Definitely not. Definitely not me. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm going to take a punt that you haven't met. There isn't like some grand Sacramento royalty meeting. No, she well she um she went to uh, St. Francis, I believe, right. which is like uh, one of the all girls school there that I okay. I I you know, I went to like the mm. all all boys Catholic school, so we were <laughs> okay. We would have. I think she's a few years older than me, though. So yeah, I think she's forty, thirty nine, forty, maybe not. I don't know. I might make that up. I sorry, I've done it. I've done it again. I've done it again. You've I've gone on a film tangent. tangent. Um, this is becoming my niche. <laughs> just talking about indie films instead of rugby. Uh, um, yeah. So, uh, well, do you have anything else on the game you want to pick up on? Uh, while we're do here? I know? To be honest, uh, not really. Just a couple more players I was impressed with. There's Todd Clever. Yeah. I think had a really good game. There's yeah, yeah. ones in particular where he kills Konstantin Rashkov on an overlap. When it looks like it was one, mm. Russia's one really good attacking set actually, and they look like they're about to score just about near the end of the first half. But then Todd Clever strips one of the Russian players in the tackle and just completely ends what would have been a really good chance to get momentum for Russia. But I think yeah. that must have been a massive relief going into half time, knowing that that's fine, that's a clean slate now, and you can kick off again in the second half. So, yeah, a big moment. Yeah. I for uh, Antonov, the Russian second row, was so annoying in the best possible way. He would just kind of stand in the middle of the breakdown and just look slightly ominous. Like you know, like like Godzilla standing in the middle of a, a city and not breathing <laughs> fire or anything on it. He just kind of like just kind of pose position himself or do that thing where you kind of you're not really trying to disrupt the ball but you just kind of get in everyone's way. And he was really good at that and there was yeah. there were two or three times when the USA had a clear overlap and if they got the ball out quickly yeah. They they very could have scored it would have been a clear opportunity. Yeah. And it was it was him and Fatikov, the, the, the flanker, the six, who was they're just throwing themselves into the breakdown in ways that were possibly illegal, but you know, it's it's kinda of hard to tell often and just really slowing the ball down. There's one last point actually that I wanted to touch on was uh, Dave Pearson who was refereeing the game. Yes. And of course there's a point about ten minutes to go when there's a small scuffle, nothing serious between the two sides. And Dave Pearson Just falls over. America pushing back and forth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dave Pearson falls over and then he calls over Todd Clever and caution off the Russian captain and gives them both a bit of a telling off saying, Come on, I've had a really good game here, you know, no more of that arguing, please. And then just as Todd Clever's about to turn around, he goes, And you're giving you my washing bill. <laughs> my my it's, other thing is definitely worth bringing up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My other favourite Dave Pearson moment from this game is the moment Tim Usaz comes on, you know, his, his first scrum having come off the bench. Usaz, no, uh, Pearson just says to him, put the bloody ball in straight. 
<laughs> which, yep, is the kind of advice you want as a scrum half. You know, no nonsense. Yeah, thanks, thanks I, for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I the think. second half, if I remember, I mean, we, I think Chris kicked a couple penalties. Uh, he kicked, he definitely kicked um, one. And it was very much a kind of, I guess, 2011 rugby World Cup game in the sense that, like, it, it, it was very much more tactical and it was yeah. like kind of us preserving the lead and then like a lot of defense and, and um, I mean, but like, I mean, at that point, I think it would have been us trying to preserve what would be our second world cup win. Mm. Um, you know, Cause we won in 2003 and then, you know, I think those might be, and this, this was certainly the last time that yeah. I won a rugby world cup game. So I think I, which is like, you talk about waking up at night, you know, kind of yeah. that's one of these things where, you know, I've played in 11 world cup appearances. So Chris, Chris Wiles, Mike McDonald and myself are all tied at 11 appearances. Right. And you know, of those 11 appearances, I've only won one game, which is, mm. which is, which is hard to take. And I mean, again, like you can put together a lot of different, you know, reasons why that is the way it is, but yeah. it, if you're responsible for the team, um, which was always my mentality, it's yeah. no easier to take because of the, the factors. It's just what your name says on the record sheet <laughs> when when people look up ESPN Scrum and Scully's World Cup rec- record. Yeah. yeah, which I currently have in front of me now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Is that then, I suppose that there's two sides to this. Either you can go, do you think of it as... Well, I lost all those games. Or how do you look back? Or I've completely lost track of the question. It's it going in like six <laughs> different directions. I had yeah, four yeah, questions yeah. I was going to ask, and they all yeah. rolled into one. Uh, I suppose yeah. the, the better question is: then after you win this game, and you've obviously got you know another uh, game against Australia coming up in a few days' time, do yeah. you have time to celebrate, or are you just thinking about that next match? No, I mean I think we we had a little bit of time, more time than mm. was usual on the Rugby World Cup to to enjoy that but yeah i mean i think if in my experience taught me anything it's actually how hard it is to win a rugby world cup full stop yeah. like it is yeah. a ruthless and brutal forum and because everything you do is relative right so even if you we were trained full time be together full time which you know we were for the last two world cups not so much this one it was a little bit mm. more decentralized in our preparation but right. the the idea of like well, every single other team in the world is doing the same exact thing we're doing, investing yeah. all their resources and energy in this one thing. And, and um, it, it, everyone is at, from an international perspective, at the absolute peak mm. of, of their existence. Like everything that they've done the last 18 months is, and you could probably extend that to a whole cycle, mm. has been directed in this one specific moment because like frankly this is how we're measured as a union right like that that's that that, that's that's just kind of the brutality around rugby world cup where it's actually a litmus test around how successful you are as a as a country in in rugby full stop like nothing else like kind of like quantifies it in the same way this doesn't matter and and so it makes it a really uh harsh arena to to be in because like everything you do is under the microscope and every result that you have positive or negative kind of defines you. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then sort of, sort of coming up how you validate that or, or how do you sort of measure success? If, if you 
say going 0 and 4 and two successive rugby world cups is uh can be a challenge but you know like again that kind of goes uh, to to be more of a philosophical exercise in your definition <laughs> of success and like yeah you know, the, the value yeah. and meaning of an experience and all that kind of stuff but you know at the end of the day as sportsmen you're, you're measured by your result and and the rest is 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 you know, however you can kind of interpret it and, and make sense of it all, which, you know, for me, I, I have to do, but you also have to accept mm-hmm. what the scoreboard tells you because yeah. sometimes the scoreboard tells you your best wasn't good enough. That's just what happens. Yeah. It's just the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, and I think that's kind of, I suppose it's an unfortunate note to begin to wrap things up on. Um, <laughs> it was a slightly but... depressing note, but <laughs> yeah. it was good to win this game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Good we got you on for the one you won. Yeah, this yeah. is this is this is the game you won. This was the the, the, yeah. the big one. Actually, w- did you feel a because I think bookies would have had the US as favourites for this game? Did you feel an extra pressure on it to do so? Well, you you, you know what your target game is, right? Like, and yeah. for us, this was definitely our target World Cup game. I mean, mm. you know, Ireland, you know, was going to be tough, but you know, we we showed we could compete yeah. with with them, and we we by and large held ourselves pretty pretty well there. Um, Australia was going to be really tough. And then, you know, we thought we, you know, maybe be able to fight, fight it out against Italy. Uh, mm. But, but as far as our target victory, like we needed to be Russia. Like, yeah. If, if yeah. we didn't beat Russia, it would have been an incredibly unsuccessful rugby world cup. Just, yeah. it's just what, what you have to say. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, this one was circled like, and there was a pressure associated with that for sure. Okay, cool. And then I just to kind of, move on i have kind of two questions that i think i want asking um so one is something i was told once that mr mcginty the the fly half he goes by arge rather than aj and i've never i've been told both ways constantly as someone that knows him what should i be calling him you go both okay okay he fine okay yeah that's that's i'm glad that's finally cleared up uh, and yeah, a few different ones yeah i mentioned to a friend of the podcast who's been on it uh adam jenkins who interviewed you when you uh, yep. shot rugby on the blues yep yeah um he wanted me to ask when i mentioned that that you were on this if you as someone that played with him felt that dan fish is the most underrated back in wales oh, he's a very good rugby player he is he's I mean, most underrated, like as far as in Wales, is that what he's asking? That's, that was his question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I mean, I think Wales has a tons of underrated rugby players. Yeah. I mean, I was, it was one of the sort of, I guess, really eye opening parts of, of coming to Wales, just how skillful some of these young rugby players were like in, mm. in, in say you know, specifically where I was at Cardiff Blues Academy. I mean, there's some incredible kids and like one who unfortunately was injured while I was there, but Reen Williams was like, yeah. I mean, he's just talent out of this world and uh, he, he deserved, you know, an, an incredible career, but unfortunately mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's not going to happen. But yeah. uh, I mean, I, I think Wales is still able to produce like these incredibly talented rugby players. And you can see the examples of where, you know, young Welsh players have gone, and had incredible success all over the world right like yeah. it's just and 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 whether in the premiership or france and and i mean there, there's like there's tons of really good examples i mean and and fishy would be one of many like incredibly gifted uh 
Welsh rugby players that kind of fly below the radar for yeah. whatever reason, because, yeah. you know, there's only, there's only four teams and there's a lot more Welsh rugby players than, than there yeah. are, there are spots. Like that's just, that's part of the, 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 uh, the brutality around professional sport is like, you know, there's, there's a lot of really, really good rugby players that, that, um, you know, will never get the credit they deserve or the opportunities they deserve because of, well, there's also other really good rugby players that yeah. have, have sort of kept those spots for whatever reason. Right. I mean, like I, I can, I can name a ton of examples just in the Cardiff blue system of just like really talented kids who like, you know, most people maybe wouldn't know because, you know, they are still young and they haven't broken through yet, or they kind of broken through in various ways, but aren't able to get the exposure they would see otherwise. Right. Like, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of rugby in general, but yeah, Fishy is a very, very good rugby player. <laughs> um, Will, do you have anything you wanted to, any first to throw in before we wrap up? Uh, no, I'm, I'm happy to be honest. Cool. Okay. I won't ask you to pick a dick of the day from amongst your own team. Uh, <laughs> so we'll just focus on, if we nominate a man of the match from either team, and I'm finding it really difficult to not just say Blaine Scully. Yeah. Um, it's, it's where my brain goes. It was goes. Mike McDonald all day. Yeah. It was, it, it was Mike. Like, Mike was, he was unreal, even in the 80th minute. I mean, he's probably off sides, but, like, if you, if you pull up a clip, like, the literally, like, the last play of the game, as Russia's, I think, still on our own half, I remember him just like flying and it's probably it's for sure it's probably a penalty now but mm. I mean just like in the fact that you have a front row forward um who at the eight of minute is going down and chopping people is it's like it's just crazy so yeah. uh, I mean I think he had uh, one of the Australian commentators uh commented when he when he smoked I think it might have been uh, Vaz at that point he said he's like he hit him like he stole his hot dog or something and <laughs> he, he was he was absolutely possessed he was an outstanding yeah. player that game yeah. so he's 100% my man of the match yeah okay that's entirely fair call is it, I feel like I would also agree that Mike McDonald's the was the man of the match uh, however I'm gonna throw in a curveball just for the sake of being different and yeah. I'm gonna say like because it. of two or three really key moments John van der Geisen Oh, yeah. um, whenever Russia had like good attacking positions and lineouts, he would always nick the ball. Um, the and yeah, it gave, gave you some really good like positions to clear. And like the USA were very good at exiting at this point. Mm. And that was something I had no issue with. And as soon as you got the ball back, it was all in key moments. So I'm going to yeah. go with him because he yeah, was I like it. really consistent in lineouts. I like and it. And I, again, I want to mention uh, Antonov, the Russian lock, who I thought was, was great and just hugely annoying. Uh, but I talked about him earlier, Mike Petri, who I think, again, is yep. just just so solid and just controls the game and kept things flowing throughout the entire entire match. And I've yeah. just come yeah. over rewatching these games to rate him so highly and just think yeah. he had this Love vision it. yeah, that I, I was a huge fan of. So on that note, Mr. Blaine Scully, thank you very much for joining us. You want to tell people where can we find the captain's code? Where can we find anything else you want to plug for anything else you're yeah. working on? No, Captain's Code, um, you can find it anywhere podcasts are. So first season's out. I just started the second season, which uh, I'm super excited about. So part of it's definitely going to be rugby-specific captain. Mm-hmm. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, so, yeah, Spotify, App, Apple Podcasts, all that kind of stuff. They're, they're cool. everywhere. So find them there. Okay. Yeah. Well, just, yeah, before we go, again, I'd just like to say that it's been just a great privilege to have you on the podcast and talk to you. Um, yeah. We've really enjoyed watching you play for years and years now, like as a player and a leader. It's been great Appreciate watching that. you. And, yeah, no, um, it's 
you're just as good a bloke as you were a player. So that's <laughs> great to know. Uh, oh, he, uh, he is, just to clarify, like a proper all-out fanboy. Like there's, yeah. um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, he's yeah, I'll see you guys for for Australia then. <laughs> <laughs> You'll replace me on the podcast, I reckon. Yeah. Full-time host. Oh, well. Never, That's... never. You guys do way too good a job. He's yeah. your brother, so like you're not gonna leave yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I think our mum would adopt you if you wanted, if that's yeah. what you're after. <laughs> um, I'm sure you're okay. I'm sure you've got better offers, but if ever it comes to that, all right, Mister. Uh, well, Blaise... I, I know I got a home. I know yeah, I got home. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. If ever, if ever it doesn't work out, okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's Thanks, been man. an absolute pleasure, and yeah, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time in the future. Cheers. mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 